Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to Know Your Gear QA Live number 154. It was a short week, I hope, for most of you. I feel like we were just here. And uh, we'll, a uh, couple things, I always have to make some announcements at the beginning. It's easy. Um, if you're new and this is the first time you watch one of these videos, I index everything in the description so you can go right to the subject matter we talk about. You can stream this on iTunes as a podcast. This is the KYG podcast. And uh, what else? <laughs> something else oh and um like and subscribe <laughs> hit the thumbs up i thought there was another announcement sometimes it's hard to remember the stuff i sometimes write stuff down but uh gets tricky um the other thing that's worth noting is this week uh it was really impromptu but uh, uh teespring which is the company that makes pretty much all the t-shirts you see on youtube uh, my shirts included sent me an email and asked me if i was interested in doing a limited run campaign of know your gear shirts this is not it but uh the logo is chrome foil and so i put a link in the description down below uh i think it's only for a few more hours i had no control of when the campaign went live and how it went um i gave it to the patrons early and uh this is the fastest i could let everybody know about it it's what it is uh, if you guys are interested it's limited in the idea that i don't know if we'll ever do it again i have no control of this um they told me we had to do a certain amount of them to even do this and the patrons have activated it in other words they've 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 bought enough to where it's going to get printed so i'm just letting you guys know that shirt exists uh i haven't seen one i ordered my mine myself myself i ordered one myself so we'll uh, i'll show it when i get it and hopefully when i get one maybe i can get them to run this campaign again but again this was something they just sent me a random email asked me if i was interested they set it up they even put the logo in the in the place they did everything so all I had to do was agree to say yes. So there you go. There's that. Um, also, today is the last day that you can enter the Kirk Hammett Wah uh, contest for Sweetwater. We talked about that last show. And uh, it is only for U.S. residents. I'm sorry about that. I think I mentioned that last week as well. Um, I'm not sure why that is. I don't know if it's because of laws in different countries or if it's just because Sweetwater primarily sells in the U.S. I'm not sure. But there you go. So if in the U.S., enter to win that. Why not get a wall pedal? Maybe you'll be lucky and get a brand new wall pedal sent to you uh, while, you're, while you're at home. <laughs> so, okay, we got stuff to talk about, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> Beast Rich 581 says, do a logo uh, with stick figures wearing max, masks to honor co uh, Corona-19, um, COVID-19. Um I would be willing to do that if it was like a hundred percent of the proceeds went to uh, one of the uh, organizations helping the gigging musicians out of work right now. I'd be up for that. Uh, if you guys are interested in that, let me know in the comments uh, and I will uh, see if I can get that done. I just have to ask my wife if she could make that shirt. Um, but like I said, I'd be willing to do that, but it would have to be a hundred percent charity driven thing um, just because I, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable trying to profit off of this nightmare out there <laughs> so uh so anyways oh uh, and and uh so and if you have any organizations you guys are aware of that would be good donations i would have no problem either doing that or also mentioning it on the live show too um so you know i've been asking a couple companies i reached out to a few companies and um to see if they were interested in doing any content where we could drum up some money maybe where they would donate some money and then you guys could be maybe inspired to donate some money to some organizations um, and so far, no luck. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to tell right now if it's companies are not interested or if they're just not responding. But the ones I've reached out to, I've gotten no response in the last week or so. Um, 
So we'll, I'll keep you on that. Like I said, I'm, I'm up for any of that stuff right now. There's a lot of, I have a lot of friends that are touring musicians. I have a lot of friends that are gigging musicians. They're not working right now. And you know, a lot of, so it's be nice to send some money their way. All right. Um, what else do we got? Um, okay. So I know I got some super chats. Thank you guys for doing those. I'm going to try and get some of the early, uh, questions first. Cause I like to, to hit the ones that ask questions first. Um, Randall, uh, was the first one. He said info on the Squire Jaguar and the new 1970 Squire Jaguar edition. I have no idea. Um, I had, I didn't even know, um, to be honest, I haven't been looking at any Squire fenders lately. I don't know why. Usually that's my big thing. I'm a big fender player for sure, but I haven't been looking at their stuff. Um, I don't know why it's not on my radar. I think I mentioned this. I, I really didn't even spend any time at this, at the fender booth at the NAMM show. Um, and I I thought somebody told me there wasn't even that many squires there. So just to let you know, but I'll check them out. Cause like I said, I'm a fan, obviously. I think the majority of what I own are Fender type guitars. Um, Stan says, hi from Australia. Hello. Love the show. Thank you. Uh, given, whoa, given you own a few guitars. Okay. What makes one a go-to instrument versus something you play less often? Um, you know, I, I would think. I would say it's how it plays and how it sounds. All that stuff sounds really pretty accurate. But the real reality is the thing that makes my guitars the go-to for me, go-to, go-to, go-to for me is how long I've had them. Um, it seems like, I think I mentioned this once before, if I keep something for a year, it's pretty much going to stick with me. If it doesn't make a year, it's not going to stick. And the reason is, is because the longer I have a guitar, it seems like the more I gravitate towards playing it. It's the opposite of what uh, I think uh, the average player does. And it's definitely the opposite of what you would think intuitively would happen. You think when I first get a guitar, I'd play that guitar all the time. Because of the YouTube videos, when I review a guitar, especially if it's on loan, I, I play it a lot because I'm either trying to make a video with it or I made a video with it. And I know there's more questions about that guitar. But if, you t- if I cut myself out of that arena and just talk about me personally buying a guitar I like, and actually I buy it. And the first thing I do, which is really strange, is I hang it on the wall and I don't play it at all. It's just, I end up, pl- I still, I just, it slowly gets played. And then over time, it, it just kind of gets in the rotation and then eventually gets into the, into my playing circulation. But realistically, like I said, I've been really sticking with two or three guitars, the same two or three guitars for the last, man, the easy, almost 10 years, um, you know, in the circulation. Now that being exception would be my uh, Somnium guitar. It's behind me somewhere. There's, you can see it, but <laughs> I give up. Look at that. I almost did it. That's the Somnium guitar. Uh, it's definitely the guitar I'm playing the absolute most right now. And it just keeps gaining ground each week. Um, and again, not because, in fact, it's still in the pickups I just reviewed this week because that's, I like those pickups and that's the guitars. Fine. Fine. I don't even swap the pickups in until I have to make a video. <laughs> I just put pickups in. I like it and just play it until it's time to make a video. All right. Uh, what else do we got? Let's see. I'm going to scan for some cool stuff. Remember, uh, another thing, that's what I was going to say in the beginning, and I forgot. If you have a question, put a question mark at the beginning. Let's me know you're you're asking me a question, or if you have a statement, let's me know it's for me. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, here's one from Luke. Luke says, hey, Phil, are you enjoying your Honey Burst Les Paul Light? Uh, any new thoughts about having it uh, or having about it having it for a few weeks now i've had it now i think two months i don't know maybe a few weeks but i thought it's been a month or two it's right behind me 
it's right there. Uh, it was just in a new video. I just did a video with it, and uh, I gave that to the patrons. They see it. I'll be releasing that video soon. But what's great is I absolutely love that guitar. So, you know, I my other uh, Les Pauls are in cases, uh, well, in gig bags, put away. Uh, I, I, I think it's going to be a while before I let those Les Pauls go. You know what I mean? Because it's, you know, it's those are kind of guitars that when you sell them, it's not going to make sense to buy them again or anything like them. So I got to be sure, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm done with them. But uh, that that's it for me. And I got a great question about it. And one of the questions was, did I notice any tone differences in it? And here's what I can tell you. I have a, uh, a Les Paul standard gold top that you guys have seen. I've, I've had in videos. And it's got the same profile neck as that, the, the uh, uh, Slim Taper. And I think, because they all, they have the same pickups in them, I think they sound identical. If there is a difference in the tone of them, it's minor and definitely would not be that, you know, I can't attribute the the extra inch and a half or whatever the thickness of the body that's missing from my Les Paul light is uh, the tone. However, my other Les Paul that's really heavy and has a thick neck, it sounds massively different than that one and a lot better than than this one does uh better being just fuller more less paul-esque i guess i don't know if that's a word we'll say it's strat-esque less paul-esque anyways um but to answer your question still love it uh definitely uh not going to get rid of it um it's just I, I really 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 like it it's something i've been wanting for a long time and that's another thing too it's it's one of those kind of guitars you've been wanting for a long time when i got it I knew when I got it it was either going to be like a nah it was in my head and now that i have it you know i don't need it or I would love it. And I immediately started loving it. And I'm, I love it even more. It's it's comfortable. In fact, if anything, I'd probably get rid of my Gibson SG. Whoops. My Gibson SG and my Les Pauls to keep that. So not saying I'm gonna, but I would. Um, let's see. Uh, what else do we got? Let's, uh, let's, let's hit some super chats real quick. You guys are super enough, nice enough to... Uh, to do that, let's hit some of your super chats. Um, the first one comes from Matt. Says, "Hey Phil, uh, the back of my McCarty 594 is excessively staticky. The static spray doesn't seem to help. Any recommendations?" So even when you spray like static guard onto a cloth and then you wipe down the, the guitar, the static uh, is still there. Um, I would say it's it's obviously it's just you're not getting you're not. You're not rubbing it down all over uh, because obviously the static charge is staying there somehow. The um, so I don't think it's something that you you uh, are doing anything wrong. In other words, I don't think like hey, it's not working. It's going to work. Make sure you're using like a static spray, some kind of static uh, 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 spray that you know obviously removes static. I don't know how, what you would call that. Right. I don't know if that's a static diffuser. I'm just guessing of what it is. But um, I use a static guard. That's uh, the only thing I that I use that's specific is I use a static guard spray that says OK for pets. Um, I have no idea why my wife bought that. And I just thought it seemed like a good spray because it said that on there. And that's one I use. So I don't know if it's special or different anyway. But mine does say safe for pets. Um, and then it has a little picture of pets on it. I don't even know what that means. I don't know if it means like <laughs> you could spray your pets with it. I wouldn't, but I think it means, you know, if they get on your clothes and stuff, you, they're okay. Uh, anyways, I use that. I spray it right on the cloth. Uh, and then I kind of, I kind of mash the cloth. You know what I mean? And, uh, and then I dab, you know, the guitar and wipe it down. That should do it. Uh, um, so, hmm, that's, 
the only thing I could tell you is you're, you, you could be removing the static and then it's just coming right back. But either way, you're just going to have to continually do it until it goes away. And that's the only thing too. Don't, don't for, be afraid to continually do it. Just, And then another thing I should tell you too is I always make sure I don't get any of the chemical on the guitar. And if I do, I, I make sure I wipe that off. So maybe uh, use some guitar polish on a little on another cloth and wipe that down as well. Um, let's see. While I'm doing that, let's go. I'm just looking to see if anyone's responding to that. Uh, yeah, Bob Pickwood says static using the uh, fabric softener helps uh, the tone too. Yeah, um, uh, the uh, fabric softeners is what I used to use. If you can find fabric softeners that do not have the cakey, um, the cakey um, perfume on them. Uh, that's the, I used to use, you used to be able to get the, uh, the, uh, the fabric softeners that didn't have their perfumes added and stuff. And they didn't have this cakey residue. Um, I don't think the residue will hurt the guitar. I, I've never seen anything that, that would uh, lead me to believe that, but I used to hate wiping the guitar down and then having that stuff and having to clean it off. But yeah, yeah, fabric softeners work great too, especially if you can get the, uh, the, uh, the, the ones without the extra fragrance added. So all right, uh, let's go. Let's get another one right here. Well, we have AP. AP says, literally AP says, AP says, GNL stock humbuckers versus Seymour Duncan. Uh, I preferred the GNL humbuckers. That's what I asked GNL to put in mine. When I bought my second GNL, it had the GNL humbuckers. I, I preferred them to the uh, Seymour Duncans. Um, reason why I say that is obviously at the GNL facility in California, when you're there, they actually make their own pickups. And uh, so I, I trust their pickups. I, I love the way they sounded. So I went with those. So that's why I did it. You know, they do offer them as a, as a option on their guitars. And of course you can add them aftermarket. Me personally, um, I'd go with the GNLs. So, and then that's an idea. So, you know, this was an idea that somebody shot at me and I don't know what I think of it. And the idea was, would I be interested in people sending me two sets of pickups and then me using them to make a video? And then that way you could know for sure. And then me send them back to you. Uh, I'm only vocally saying that because sometimes on this, uh, it's a live show and we're just talking. And sometimes it's nice to have these discussions out and say it out loud. I'm not sure if I'm interested in that. It sounds like it's going to be an, a lot of work, but it might be interesting in this case, if somebody has, let's say a set of pickups they want to send me. So what would happen is you would send me two sets of pickups, the ones you're, you know, the two that you're interested in. I could quickly install them in my guitar and then shoot a video with them, comparing them. And um, I just don't know how, I just don't know how that would work. Um, but I'm interested in hearing anybody's feedback. Right now as a raw idea, it's not exciting me. Maybe somebody's got a better take on that. But then I thought, I was going to say, since I'm saying it out loud, then I'm thinking, not thought, I'm thinking right now, maybe because it's interactive, it would be more interesting to watch. Not sure. All right. Steve Dowler says, great idea. Do the mask, do the mask hat and donate. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and send some of the uh, to playing for change. Okay. Thanks, Phil. Keep on. keep. So he's saying, uh, Steve's saying, do a charity for playing for change and maybe do a mask, uh, uh, do the mask hat. Because uh, I think, was that you, Steve, last week? Was mentioning, somebody was mentioning I don't have a Know Your Gear hat. I, I don't. Um, I, I need to work on that. <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing. You know, what's funny is the reason I say I need to work on that is one, something I want. Uh, I would rather sometimes wear the hat than a shirt. 
Um, I told you I have this. This is the subdued shirts in dark gray. This is the one I generally will wear now if I'm wearing them. Um, and um, but I really would rather have a hat in the subdued. That would be my my ideal uh, thing to wear. So I need to make one just so I have one, much less if anyone else is interested. Um, plus, I think it might be in easier. The other thing I thought about the hat was it might be easier to get photos done. People taking photos and stuff. And thank you to everyone this week who sent photos. I've been putting them in the new videos. You guys are awesome as always. So, and if you do have photos of your Know Your Gear merch, um, you could please send them to me at uh, the P McKnight Seven. You can send them right to me. Just put in the subject matter that it's a it's a shirt. That's how I know. It's just if you put picture shirt, anything in the subject matter, um, I grab it. I throw it in a little folder real fast so I know to look at it later and I know what it's for and it's it's easy for me to check out. All right. Uh, robot master switch great sign on not only because i can read it but it's funny robot master switch says anyone else buying gear online just for the sake of something to do it's it, it's a problem lol i can give you some insight on this this is something i was uh talking about earlier this week um i on my videos i have all kinds of links on my videos and some links don't are not i'm not connected to in any way i just put a link to link you to a product i used to not do that but so many complaints from people saying you know i thought just people would google stuff <laughs> everybody just wants to apparently click a button and go right to it so i put links so the reason i tell you that is some links are landing links which means it's tracked it's just telling me that somebody went to that link there's no no i don't get anything for that but i get the information um some are not there's just no tracking and some are affiliate links, which means I get a piece of it. So it depends. Sometimes 1%, sometimes you can get as much as like 8% if you're lucky, but most of the time it's like 1% or 5% or whatever. And you get a piece of it if somebody buys something and stuff. And so the reason I tell you that is uh, with 700 videos and 63 million views, there's a lot of link activity over the, over the last few years of those videos. And I can tell you, um, although I can't, so you guys, so you know, maybe because I don't want to make you paranoid. I can't see who's buying what, but I can see what you're buying. Like I can click up a list and go, oh, well, this is what they all bought. Um, and the Amazon ones are the most hilarious. If you have never heard this from anybody talking on YouTube, it's because I'll put a link to like a distortion box and then I go to look and it's like garter belts, cat food. <laughs> you're like, it's the weirdest thing ever. Harry Potter series of books because it's whatever you buy, you get you know some kind of some kind of a uh, piece of that or whatever. Um, anyways, the the importance of this is what I'm noticing on the links right now is you guys uh, as a whole, viewers as a whole, are buying lots of exactly that smaller purchase accessory type items. Definitely seems to be a lot of people buying a lot of uh, picks and uh, and uh, tuners and parts and fixing up guitars and pedals and stuff like that. So it's crazy to see because uh, it's a lot of activity. So I can tell. So to your comment, uh, ro a robot, uh, yes, a lot. So you know you're not alone. That's why I'm telling you this. I'm giving this information so you know you're not alone if you're out there doing some small impulse shopping or buying some stuff. Um, there, it seems like everybody's doing it. Um, I've been buying a lot of small parts lately because I'm making a lot of repair type content right now, trying to catch up on that, that stuff. I've been, that's, that's what I'm using this time for is, um, if you notice the videos are slimmed down right when this happened, it's because I do repairs. And so I've, what I've done is I've repaired all the instruments. I've returned everybody's instrument, uh, to the back to my customers. I have no repairs right now to do, and I'm not doing any because of obvious reasons out there. Um, and what I'm going to do is try to take some of that time and focus on the repair videos. So I've been releasing them, uh, and re-editing them. And to be honest with you, I'm trying to get, not get carried away with them, but, um, there you go. 
Uh, okay, what else? What else do we got? Oh, Bobby says, is there a big difference between Gibson Custom Shop versus U.S. models? Yes, absolutely. Um, that's a funny thing to say. I have a different opinion for Fender and Gibson, and this is what's interesting uh, about that uh, about that opinion and how I base it. I don't know why, but when I play, I have a Fender Custom Shop guitar. When I play Fender, I, and I've sold Fender Custom Shop guitars before. So uh, selling them, working on them, owning them, Fender Custom Shop, I find that I can't even tell you they're better than an American standard or professional style Stratocaster Deluxe. Some people think they're better. I think they're specced out differently. In other words, you know, so if somebody goes, oh, it's better. Well, maybe it's lacquer finished or maybe it's a different uh, shaped neck or different pickups or whatever it is. There's different specifications in it that may you may perceive as being better. But me, when I look at the build quality, I just don't see it. I don't see a much superior instrument uh, in that way. And I, I think that's a testament to how well Fender can mass produce guitars. Fender is the McDonald's of guitars and the idea that, I mean, let's be honest, McDonald's, uh, whether you hate McDonald's or you love McDonald's, McDonald's is consistently either great or bad, depending on your view on that. But more importantly, they are consistent. That is a consistent company, right? Um, it's creepy, <laughs> right? If you have a Big Mac in, in California, a Big Mac in Germany and a Big Mac in, in Florida, they taste the same. It's creepy. And keep in mind, they, there's different source components, I'm sure, for that. My point is, Fender has that kind of weird consistency for me, which is uh, their product seems very consistent in what it is. And so, uh, especially in the American-made stuff. So, Anyways, what I'm getting at is I don't think the custom shop stuff on the Fender stuff is far superior. Uh, and that's owning one, right? However, owning, I've owned Gibson custom shops. And for some reason, any of the complaints I've ever had about the American Gibsons, the custom shop was better. So I just perceive, to me, my opinion, for whatever it's worth, I think Gibson custom shop is superior to the Gibson made production stuff. And, um, and it's not, it's not like I'm saying the Gibson production stuff's not good. It's, it's great. Obviously I have the one I'm just talking about today. I love it, but I don't know what it is. It's like Gibson's custom shop is just a little, a little better. And it's funny that I say that because, so, you know, not only do I feel like Fender's custom shop is great, but not ex just blow your way, you know, blow your mind. And remember, I'm also talking about team built custom shop with Fender. I'm not talking about the master build stuff. That's a different, that's a, that's a different, different thing. I also feel like PRS private stock, although it's beautiful and amazing, when I play them, I don't feel anything or hear anything far different than a production core guitar to the point where I'm like, yes, yes. So, and that's just all, all the ones I put my hands on. So there could be exceptions all the way around. I'm curious to see what people's thoughts are. Okay, that being said, because again, it's just an opinion. Hope it doesn't change your mind about anything <laughs> okay uh what else do we got we have declan hey declan it says uh he says he says do you have a rule of thumb for when to do fret work and how much to do okay that's a great question if fret rocker indicates a minor rock is it worth the time to fix that's a great question follow-up and how many bad frets before you crown a level is worth it perfectly okay this is actually an easy question for me uh yes do i have a rule of thumb for when to do fret work Absolutely. Um, the, the, the rule changes though with three things. And this is the, the important thing. When I look at frets and I decide to do fret work, one of the things I look at is how, how tall the frets are. So in the, for instance, jumbo frets, um, I would be more inclined, inclined to do a fret level 
if I had to than if it was vintage fret wire. What, why is because generally speaking, you're only going to get about three crown levels out of frets before it's time to refret, generally speaking. Smaller frets gets a little trickier because they get each time you do this crown level, you're 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 making it worse, right? Or making it lower. So it's kind of the problems, you know, the, of getting closer to the fretboard gets worse. So I'm as if the frets are vintage wire and they're small, I tend to like try not to have to do that. Okay, so uh, so there's one thing that helps when I have a rule of thumb. That's the first thing I do. Now, fret rockers, a perfect question too. It says, he said, if a fret in rocker indicates a, a minor rock, in other words, a one fret's a little high, and, it, and we've already assumed I've either tapped down the frets and I've made sure everything else. So obviously I'm looking at this as I, I might have to uh, level that fret. Um, what I will say is this, if it's not causing a problem, I don't worry about that. I've had this issue before where... Uh, somebody will come to me and they'll say this fret's rocking high, and then I play the guitar and I go, I, I don't hear anything wrong. Like there's no buzzing, it plays great. And they're like, Yeah, but I, I I checked it and that fret's high. I'm like, you know what's funny? A guitar can have a little twist in the neck. It can have a little fret high frets. I mean, it can be a little imperfect and still be good. You know what I mean? If it's not, you know, it's the what's the old adage? It's not broken, don't fix it. So to answer your question, if a fret had a minor rock in the with a fret rocker, would I? Uh, crown it only if it was causing a problem. Because really, what I, I look at a fret rocker, I don't just test frets for the for the sake of it. If you notice in the videos, I always, even though I fast, you ever notice I play all the notes on the on the on the neck, and then if I find a buzzy spot or a dead spot or an issue, then I get the fret rocker out. I don't do it backwards. I don't try to find uh, a, a bad uh, a bad fret because a bad fret sometimes doesn't present itself when you're playing or when you're listening. Um, so if it doesn't, don't don't fix it. So that's that. And then how many bad frets before you crown level six? I don't know why, uh, because the person who trained me to do fret work uh, told me six. <laughs> so it's it's just follow a rule. And to be honest with you, when when he was teaching me that, uh, I it had to do with costs, what to charge people, and I, I don't know why. And I, so you know, I think it was more of a not so much a rule that I think the hobbyist or the home guy should worry about um but it was the you know how much work do you want to refret how many frets do you want to refret before you're like might as well get the full boat refret job okay and and that means time wise so in other words if it takes uh you know let's say two hours to refret a guitar if it's going to take me an hour to to do 10 frets at that point you might as well just say okay let's just refret the guitar because it's not going to be much difference in in their cost and time for you so that's the kind of the rules i would follow those are general speaking. Um, but so, you know, as a, a rule of thumb, I try not to crown frets. I try not to work on frets because um, uh, I have a, a friend and he's a surgeon. And he told me once that the the, the thing that stinks about surgery, um, well, he didn't put it this way, but I'm going to put it this way. He said, the thing that stinks about surgery is that once you have surgery, you're more likely to have another surgery, right? Because you're essentially shocking your body with, you know, I'm paraphrasing, understand. What I found interesting about that was that correlates to what I found with uh, uh, fret work and stuff. In other words, I find the more kind of invasive repairs you do to a guitar, the more you're going to probably have to repair the guitar later as well. Does it make sense? So I try not to do as much to a guitar as you is, you know what I mean? If we can get around it. All right, there. Okay, what? What else? Let's get some water. Um, hmm. Sorry, guys. Just looking for comments. 
Thank you, BB Ninja, for saying she's uh, reminding. Start the uh, question with a question mark. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's do. It's 30 minutes in. It felt like it was two minutes. I hope you guys are having fun. That was fast. Okay. Let's see. Um, here we go. Uh, Sean says, saw the video of you with your Kiesel and your friend with the Strandberg. Okay. That was my buddy, Matt. How did you like the Strandberg trim compared to uh, the other floating units? Uh, my favorite so far, still play, uh, still play your Vader. Okay, so great questions. So Sean, uh, so the uh, that was my buddy Matt, and he's a he's my uh, friend and guitar teacher, and uh, he's a Strandberg fanatic. He's got a ton of Strandbergs. So uh, how do I like the Strandberg trim? I I like the tremolo. What I don't like on the Strandberg is the nut. I, I really don't like it. It doesn't, it's not a very good system. Uh, it, it, it's, it's problematic in a bunch of ways. Now, I, I mean, and now I want to preface this that I'm talking like a mechanic. So it, take in mind, it's like a mechanic talking about a car. You could be like, well, I think it drives great. I'm like, yeah, but I, you don't have to work on it. Working on the guitar, uh, when I work on the Strandbergs, it feels like the nut is where that nut area is where I spent a lot of damn time working on them. So, uh, so, so, you know, uh, and, um, so I'm not a huge fan of that system, but I understand why he has to use it because if you look at the way that the, uh, the hip shot system is designed, it's like a half moon system. It caps on the end of the headstock. Um, the, because of the, um, the shape of the Strandberg neck, it just doesn't, it doesn't, you know, doesn't line itself up that way. So uh, I do love Strandberg. So, you know, I really want uh, a Sarah Longfield Strandberg. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I was trying to come up with a good reason to buy one last month because uh, I was doing some reviews of some female artist guitars. I did the uh, Lizzie Hale and I did the um, uh, Yvette Young. And I thought, oh, Sarah Longfield would be great. But unfortunately, no one had a Sarah Longfield in stock to, to, to even buy. So it kind of lucked out because maybe it's not something I should have been spending money on right now anyways. But man, if I get a Strandberg, I can tell you right now, if I get a Strandberg, it's going to be the Sarah Longfield. I, I don't know why. I just love the guitar. I love her playing. You know, and usually the player inspires me to want the guitar more than the guitar itself. It's kind of a weird thing that way. I think a lot of Van Halen fans will will empathize or, you know, kind of understand that chick that it's just like that music then makes you want the guitar more so than just the shape or the type of guitar. Um, and uh, the question of the Vader, my Vader now is with my buddy, Eric. So um, I, I love the Vader. <laughs> he really wanted it. He kept talking about it. And um, I have something going on. I have a, a another Kiesel in the works, so to speak. And uh, I, I uh, so I let it go. He's got it now. So, and I, I tell you right now, uh, he loves it. He's, and, uh, and, uh, if he ever was to sell it, I'd buy it back in a second, in a second. So, and, uh, I miss it a little bit. He, he, Casey watches this episode. I miss it a little bit. Hope you're enjoying it. <laughs> okay. Stun Soul says, uh, PRS SE Piso. Can you say if that's a thing? I, I can't tell you anything. <laughs> uh, I can tell you this. <laughs> stun soul no one's gonna know what we're talking about stun soul and so hopefully this will be a nice inside joke between you and me i am starting to get to an age where my vision is going to crap <laughs> i i am not at the point where i think i have to get glasses but it is 
it is going to be a thing I'm going to have to do. So why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because what I'm telling you is, is that when I'm filming myself with the cameras, if you ever seen like the Canon 70D DSL that I have or the Sony, what do I use? It's over there. I can't see. It's a Sony 4K model. Whatever, all the cameras I use, their screens are like two inch or three inch screens like this big. And so some sometimes for distance, when I'm looking at myself in background, I can't see. So I didn't see that there was something in the background the other day that wasn't supposed to be there. So you saw something that wasn't supposed to be there. That's all I can say. There you go. Okay, that's good. All right. But yeah, the, what was your, is it a thing? Uh, well, uh, you saw something. So that is a thing you saw and soon it'll be soon. Uh, it's just, everything's being pushed back now because you know, the, the, the world. Okay. So, uh, Gil says KYG caps. Great idea, please. All right, man. Thank you. Just because of that, because you super chatted and mentioned it again. I will, I will make it a priority to make it a thing. I think there's enough of us that want them. Let's do it. Um, Michael says, buy a nice monitor. I'll send you a recommendation. You know, here's the problem with the monitor, though. See, this is the trick, Michael. I can hook up a bigger monitor. The issue is, if you remember when I used to get complaints the other way, everybody would be like, I used to get comments in the comments like, look at the camera. Stop looking at the monitor. I'm like, well, I'm looking at the monitor because that's the thing I see. So I actually like having the smaller monitors because I can't see them for crap anymore. So I just stare at the camera, which is better. Although in this case, I should have been paying attention to more what I was doing. <laughs> what really happened was, I let's just say this. I filmed the video, and then I was told the video can't come out for a little while. And then the next video I did that day, it was in the background of that video. I'm sure some of you guys are going to try to sign see something, but you're going to find out the hard way that it's just what's in there is like a corner of a something. So, and I hope, you know, but yes, good, good suggestion about the monitor. But like I said, it just, so. Um... Let's see. SD Design says, do we get Super Chat refunds? I have donated over $300. Uh, I don't know how you get a Super Chat refund. So I don't know how you would do that. I guess you'd have to email me if you want a Super Chat refund. <laughs> so SD Design, you'd have to email me. I could try and figure it out. I guess if you don't like the, the answer to the question. Maybe we should do that. Should we have a return policy on my answers? The... Okay, uh, hold on, let's see. Uh, hold on, I'm just looking for the question marks first. Oh, Aaron says, how do I choose my fret wire? Um, well, I choose fret wire by based on what the guitar had before or what the customer says. A lot of times the customer will say, and usually when I say say, they they can kind of tell me isk what they want. You know what I mean? What what height? You know, a lot of times we use terms like Ibanez or do you want it like a Gibson or do you want it like a Fender? Because most people just relate to the feel of a, a fret wire's height and width by that not necessarily say 6100 or, or you know 6105 you know wire may not always mean something to them but um uh but uh the the point being uh i generally like jumbo or medium jumbo fret wire personally so i'll tend to use that um uh recently i did some stainless steel refrets and that was again a customer picked that and it was medium jumbo stainless steel In fact, I think I'm pretty sure I'll be able to release that as a video. So I filmed it and I just got to edit it together. It'd be nice. 
it's not so much a how to refret video, just kind of what the logic was, what we were doing. Oh, Rick James says, uh, learned to solder this week, thanks to me. Oh, man, that's awesome. Soldering's great, right? It's one, soldering's one of those things, like, once you do it, you're like, really? This is it? This is not the, not the hardest thing. So, West, Wes McClanahan. Wes McClanahan says, suggests a new amp under $300 that isn't a katana. I think I would be breaking some kind of YouTube rule if I didn't say the katana. I think that's some kind of legal requirement. If you're a YouTube gear channel, you have to say katana. Just kidding, man. Uh, <laughs> so under 300 bucks. Uh, let me tell you, uh, I'll tell you what amps I played and that I was impressed with for whatever reason. I really like my Katana 50. I know you said you didn't, you know, don't mention that. The reason I like the Katana 50, this is why I want to tell you, it's not for the reason everybody else likes it. The Katana 50, for some reason of all the modeling, I know it's a solid state type amp, I don't care, but you understand. All the modeling practice samples on the market, the Katana takes pedals the best. So I feel like I can, uh, I actually take the Katana 50 with me. Uh, well, nowhere now, <laughs> but if I get to leave my house again, I take it with me. If I know I'm going to check out a pedal with somebody, it's been a really great amp to where I feel like if I could get a general idea of how the pedal is going to sound with it. So that's why I like it for that. The, for practice, for a good sounding amp, I really like the THR10 by Yamaha. That's a great amp. Uh, the THR5 is really great. I would love to do a shootout between the THR5 and 10 because the main difference is the tone control versus the, the EQ. The, I think the 10 has the three-band EQ. Either way, um, but uh, but both are, are really good. I, I think I prefer the THR10, but I have to AB them directly. Um, that's a great amp. And believe it or not, I really like the Line 6 new Spider that's 129. I don't know what model that is. I don't know if it's Spider 15. Um, I was in a music store, obviously, before the end of the world. And uh, the uh, that's what they had. <laughs> it was like they had five little amps in this little teeny music store. And uh, I bought a pedal from them. And I was checking out stuff, you know, because I knew I was going to buy the pedal. I didn't have to try it. And um, I tried it through that amp, and I was really impressed. I was really, really impressed. And it was $129, and it was a spider amp, but it was the newest one. because, And uh, I really liked it. I really enjoyed that. I also enjoyed, if you like older amps, I really like the Roland Cube series of stuff. I really do. I like the Roland uh, 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 Cube 30 a lot. The Cube 60 a lot. Cube 30 probably more. Um, I like the Micro Cube. That's another great one. Uh, and then I also like, um, I do like the ID amps by Blackstar. However, uh, last time I mentioned that somebody mentioned that there's broke. And then when I was talking to Ralph and I said, well, you like yours. And he says his broke too. So that doesn't mean cause two people's broke. They all break. I just feel like sharing everything that I can share experiences. I've never had one break. The ones I played did not break. So, uh, uh, okay, I think it's Reef Spano. Reef Spano says, any downside to stainless steel frets? And if not, why would they not be the best choice for uh, refret jobs? Um, downside is always, the first thing you always point out the downside with them is a lot of players sometimes don't like the way they sound. Um, you could actually say some players don't like the way they feel because they have a really frictionless feel to them. In other words, it feels like somebody who's like lubricated your frets. It feels smooth it's great uh when you're doing bindies there's uh bindies when you're doing bends when you're doing bindies when you, <laughs> bindies are the exercises that you do to do a bend 
Uh, when you do a bend, it, it's great. Um, but uh, here's what here's what I've experienced is that's tricky. It usually is not the um, the people that usually have the biggest problem with stainless steel frets when I work on guitars is not the average home person, right? It's not the it's not the hobbyist that has a bunch of guitars and he's just playing guitar a little bit. It's the professionals. They seem to have the biggest issue with them. It's the opposite of what you think. Everybody thinks like the professional players are like, oh, because they're professional and they either tour or they gig all the time. They love stainless steel. No, actually, they a lot of players. Uh, spend you know hundreds of hours, if not thousands of hours, perfecting their their style and their feel, and they're out there performing. And things that mess up the way something feels messes up a lot for them. It's really really problematic for them. Certain things that uh, the average player wouldn't notice. You know they they have muscle memory, so to speak. I don't know you know more of a tendon thing in your fingers, but they have muscle memory. So they, when they bend, they know exactly how much effort and where they're going to land that perfect note and then come back down and anything that changes that sometimes can be a hindrance for them so some some of them don't like that some um so that's one thing the sound thing is definitely something i've heard many times over to the point where i would say <laughs> that if you change the guitar to stainless steel frets and say oh they would never notice it's possible it is possible they would not notice however I can tell you that I have a bunch of guitars with stainless steel frets and I have a bunch of guitars without stainless steel frets. And even though the guitars that I have with stainless steel frets are different brands, like my Parker and my Ibanez and, um, and the Shiji has a uh, stainless steel. No, it doesn't it has nickel on mine. Um, what else has stainless steel? My, uh, my, uh, Kiesel has stainless steel frets. Um, there's a few other guitars that have stainless steel frets. Uh, Oh, my, uh, my Somnium guitar has stainless steel frets. Um, I have a bunch of guitars with stainless steel frets. The reason I'm telling you that is they're different. They sound different, but they all have the same kind of tone, like this attack. It's like a quick attack kind of feel to them. So I'm assuming just through through process elimination that the frets are the common you know denominator in all the guitars, and that's probably the cause of that. So it's not that I don't like it or I do like it. It's just I notice it. So those are things that you would notice, but otherwise, no, it makes sense to do it. Um, refrets, you know, generally people charge more to do stainless steel refrets though. Um, stainless steel fret wire costs a little bit more and it, uh, you know, it's harder on your files. You're going to wear your files down a little faster. Um, everybody always says it like it's really dramatic. <laughs> it's not dramatic. In my experience, if I have a file and I can get 10, uh, you know, crowns out of it, you know, crown levels out of it. Uh, if I was to switch over stainless steel, it wouldn't cut it in half, but it would get maybe six or seven out of it. So it depends. It depends also on how hard this is the stainless steel fret is. So, uh, okay. What else do we got? Let's go back over let's flip over to the other, the other side, as far as you guys, I always tell you that and you guys, don't even know what's that's from what I mean. And so I'm switching screens. Um, Voodoo Fist says two questions. All right, Voodoo Fist. Thank you for the super chat, by the way. Two questions. How does one remove Velcro from the bottom of a used pedal? Okay. And how do you remove the smell of cigarette smoke from a used amp or guitar? Okay. So the first one is uh, is, a, I, is a couple things to do. The, the thing is, if you're going to, this is, what's wrong with me? What I want to say is, first tip is that if you're going to put Velcro on the bottom of your pedals, a tr old trick is to take painter's tape and put painter's tape over the labels. So for instance, oh, <laughs> for instance, 
grab the wrong pedal. If you have a boss pedal like this, it has a label. We've all seen when you put the Velcro on there, you peel it off and you lose a label. A, a pro tip is to put a piece of painter's tape in there and then cut the painter's tape so it's just right there and then put the Velcro over. And then if you peel the Velcro off, it'll take the painter's tape and leave the label in intact. And you can do that on any pedal. That's the first thing that I would recommend so that you don't have to deal with the problem that he's talking about. So that's the first thing. So Voodoo Fest. Um, however, Voodoo Fist, sorry. Voodoo Fist. Now, if you don't didn't have the luxury of having somebody being have the foresight to put the painter's tape on it, how do you remove it? Um, well, you peel it off and then it, it will leave, it's gonna leave the glue residue. Um, you can use Gooby Gone and stuff like that, but I use WD-40. I have no problems using WD-40. I spray on a rag. I use the uh, rag and I rub all the stuff off and the uh, WD-40 will... Uh, it's basically lubricate the the sticky residue so it just comes off. No no issues. Uh, some people probably have different opinions, but what I can tell you is I feel confident to tell you that I've done it at least a few hundred times to a few hundred pedals, amps, all kinds of things. Um, I just bought a used amp and uh, and it had a sticker on it and I used WD-40 to remove the sticker off it. I just did it this week. I've done it hundreds of times. I've never had any negative uh, issues. As long as I guess the only issue you would have is if you're spraying WD4 willy nilly everywhere. I would think maybe that's a problem, but I don't know why you would do that. <laughs> but I have to account for all the crazy, scenar crazy scenarios that people like to put in the comments. But what if I douse the entire pedal in WD40? I don't know. Don't do it. <laughs> okay. So the second question you have two. Uh, the second one's the harder one. Remove smell of cigarette smoke from a used amp or guitar. I don't know. I've heard that there you can use like charcoal, you know, and stuff to do stuff. I've heard all kinds of weird things you can use. Um, I just don't know. I, I don't have the answer. Like I said, that's one of those questions, unfortunately, kind of falls into a, um, but I can tell you where to search for those kind of answers. What you want to do is you want to look at like, like on YouTube, go look up like home, under home cleaning and, and cleaning. There's just like there's gear channels, there's channels for like home cleaning and stuff like that. And, and, and that will help. I can tell you what I use to clean everything is called truce. T truce, just like you see it with the T. Um, it's truce. It's it's basically uh, vinegar and mint. It's uh, you can spray it in your mouth. It's non-toxic. I use truce to clean everything. It does a fantastic job. And um, so look that product up and uh, it it will it is safe to put almost on anything. So I've been using it for years. Love it. Um, totally love it. Uh, Syndicate says, hi, Phil. Hold on, Syndicate. I got to take a drink of water. What guitar strings would you recommend to keep an open G tuning? Like a gauge of strings, open G tuning? Um, it would depend on the guitar. There's a lot of scenarios. Um, to me, when I do open tunings, I tend to like them with 10s or 11s. I tend to go up. A, uh, so if you're going to just open, you know, do open tunings on a guitar, that's fine. But if you're going to set designate a guitar for an open D tuning or open G tuning or dadgad or something like that, uh, open G tuning or dadgad, uh, I, I usually go up a, a gauge from what I normally use. So if I have a guitar and I've set it up for uh, open G tuning, I would go, if I play 10s on the, a guitar normally in standard tuning, I would go up to 11s. If I play 9s, I go 10s. That's usually a rule I have to, but that's usually the rule I would do that for that. And then strings, I'm pretty easy. I use Daddario strings or String Joy. Those are the two strings I like uh, for guitar, for sure. Uh, Rick, US, Rico USA says, Phil, any POV on point of view? Ha, point of view. 
<laughs> Any point of view on the new Kemper cones and cabinet? I have 19 different speakers available for each profile. It is awesome as it is overwhelming. The video, dem dem the video demos sound incredible. What are your thoughts? I have not tried them. Um, I am a baby stepping into the modeling world. <laughs> I've been doing it more and more, using them more and more. Uh, it's just something that um, I had no interest in. And then, of course, because of this you know, in interaction, it's something that keeps coming up. So I've been trying to educate myself on it. And at this point, I'm not at the Kemper level of stuff yet. I'm just not there. I'm just getting now in the degree of what I've, I'm at now with the, with the the uh, the modeling and stuff. But I've heard good things. But I mean, I have no insight to give. So I'm curious. I'd love to hear it. But that stuff like that, this is great because we have a good community here. So I'd love to see if you guys have comments on that on the Kemper and stuff. Grumpy Mike says, "I just ordered four new guitars. So as long as the money is flowing, why not?" Grumpy Mike. More power to you, man. Thank you for keeping the economy going. That helps. Um, you know, you know, that's the thing that hurts the economy is when, well, one of the things is if, you know, we slow down spending money, it's going to hurt other sectors. So, all right. CS says, Phil, you owe me a last week's question about PRS artist pickups. Ah, and you should try BK Solos. They are awesome. Happy Easter. CS, here's what's great. On that video, I will uh, I pin it to the top of last week's video. Uh, there was an answer. Somebody gave a really detailed, long answer. I gave it a thumbs up and a heart, but I thought I pinned it, but I maybe didn't pin it. So CS Guitars, that's the answer to your question. He was explaining there's three types of pickups, and depending on which artist uh, package or deal, there uh, he, he explained everything. He's got all three artist guitars. Thank you for the viewer that put that. That's what I was saying. Sometimes this is not always just a resource for me. It's, some of you guys have tons of information. Obviously, he was very versed in these guitars and having them. So, um, you know what's great? Hold on a second. We got a minute. We make the time up here. Let me see if I can read what he said. Give me one second, guys. Talk amongst yourselves. Let me go. See, I thought I pinned it, but I did not. Okay. Okay, there we go. Pin that. All right, let's look for the question. Okay, here it is. The answer came from Jeff Parker. Jeff Parker says, as far as PS artist pickups, if they are true artist pickups, it will be engraved on the front uh, artist. And then and it'll be engraved in the front artist and then Roman numeral. So artist three for three, <laughs> artist uh, five for five. Uh, they have been five artist series. They are limited series. I have two A3 and A5, but they are semi-rare guitars. Like 300 of each are released. Anyway, you probably, probably the most beautiful pickups I have ever heard. I love the tones and sounds from them. So I want to thank Jeff. Uh, hold on a second. While I'm doing this, I'm going to pin that. There you go. I thought I did. I did hard it though, like I said, and click it. So Jeff, thank you for answering that question last week. That was really cool. Because um, stuff like that, sometimes it's really great to see somebody who has that and obviously has a passion for it. So CS, there you go. There's. Uh, so when I saw that, I, I don't know if you saw it. I saw it right after the show, or right sh shortly after the show aired. So it was really cool. Thank you for that. And uh, hopefully that helps you. And if not, let me know. Uh, Matthew says, thanks for all your knowledge. Uh, I just put in my first pot in a Squire Bullet Mustang, HH. Are you a Stanley Clark fan? Oh my God, yes. 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, so I was a, I like, I think a lot of bass players when Victor Wooten hit the scene, man, you just became a fanatical Victor Wooten scene, uh, 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 fan. And then, uh, and, and I think everybody knows this, or I don't know why everybody knows, but some of you guys watch the show regularly know I'm a huge Bella Fleck fan. In fact, I've seen Bella Fleck live, I think, more than any other band live, uh, any more times than any other live band. And uh, that's why in the background of my videos, uh, not this one, but most of my videos, you see the Cosmic Hippo, the Bella Fleck Cosmic Hippo. And um, I, I'm because I was a Victor Wooten fan, of course, you you uh, you become a Stanley Clark fan. You figure out where where does Victor come from and stuff. And so I was a huge Stanley Clark fan. I got into Stanley Clark, and then for some reason, like I said, I kept going. And I when I got to Marcus Miller, I just I love Marcus. That's my guy. But I love Stanley Clark. He's great. But my favorite bass players are uh, Marcus Miller and Michelle and Deo Cello. They are my two favorite. And then Stu Ham's like my in my you know in the in the trifecta. But huge Stanley Clark fan. Um, okay. What else do we got? I actually, so, you know, and I, I know it's not Stanley Clark, but so, you know, I actually once saw Be uh, Bella Fleck and the Flecktones and Stanley Jordan, who's the guitar player who taps, went up on stage and played with, uh, Victor and it was amazing. So I don't know why, just cause they both had Stanley. I thought I'd share with you. Um, let me go back over to the main screen. Whoops. I don't lose it. See what I do when I jump around. Okay. Here do we, what do we got? Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy's got a question. Hold on, Jimmy. Jimmy McKee says, have you seen the light for sound optic pickup? It's an optical pickup and supposedly you can edit it. The EQ looks really interesting. Uh, you can even use nylon strings. Um, I had seen some kind of Instagram post or something of that, but so, you know, there was a company and I don't know if it's the same technology, but there was a company called Lightwave that made an optical bass pickup. Um, remember I was mentioning, I used to take lessons from Ray Rindo. He was an artist for them and he, he actually recorded an album that's fantastic using uh, that pickup system. And um, so uh, so I don't think it's new in the idea of a, a th an idea or a theory. I think there's been an optical pickup. So um, I'm not sure, though, for guitar, it seems different. I've never seen it. I, it's one of those things. I don't know. You know, right? I love the idea of everybody trying something innovative, though. I'm really curious. That's the stuff, like, you know, I'm really curious about, um, you know what I mean, to, to, to check out and review on the channel. That's something I would love to do. Okay. Okay. Uh, Ah, Dylan wants me to know Mar Marcus Miller is his favorite as well. Yes. He, thank you. And uh, it's nice to have, there's two of us. We're two Marcus fans. <laughs> okay. Um, now we have a quiet, oh gosh, I don't know how to say the name. Uh, I'm going to say the last name is Marcelo. I'm sorry. I'm not getting how to read the first name. So Marcelo says about fret leveling, leveling, wouldn't it be better to use a leveler that fits the radius uh, of the fretboard isn't it weird to use a radius block to do a fretboard sanding and after use a straight, oh, and after that use a straight leveler to do the rest? Um, you know, I've done a bunch of different ways when it comes to this um, at fret levelers. I have a, a special leveler set that's made of aluminum. It's really cool. Um, and uh, somebody made it for me, a machinist who is very talented, made this for me and gave it to me as a gift. And I've tried different ways of leveling and obviously using the radius uh, system. And 
I think the problem, it's not bad. I've actually tried it and it worked. Like I said, I took a, a Squire bullet once, a guitar, and literally used uh, a fret radius boards, aluminum boards, and did fret leveling and see what happens And, and instead of just a flat one. And I had good luck with it. It came out really good. But what you realize is that one of the issues is the radius uh, blocks, what they were doing, what I noticed was they were they were crowning the, or they were not crowning, sorry. They were leveling the frets deeper on the edges than they were in the center, right? Because they're radius that way. And so the issue I think became uh, it, when you get divots in your frets, right? You're going to get divots in the, uh, in your cowboy chords, you know, I mean, it depends on what you're playing, but generally when you see divots and frets for the average Joe, it's a, it's a, it's a cowboy chord. So your D chord, you see those three spots on the frets, your C chord, you'll see the, 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 those spots in your frets, right? Your G, you're going to see a lot of those dense divots in the frets. And those divots tend to be on the, uh, the two high strings and the two low strings. That's where the bigger divots come into play. And so obviously if you're radiusing or if you're leveling your frets using a radius, um, you're taking some of the material on the outer sides. And when they have those divots and then you crown again, it gets tougher because you're taking away a different amount of material across the line. I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm just saying that's what I experienced when I experimented with it. Um, I I don't know, but a lot of things I want to point out about guitar repair and especially stuff like that is a lot of stuff is done just because, like I said earlier about how somebody taught me to do fret leveling or not fret leveling, uh, uh, replacing frets. They told me six. Sometimes you just taught something and you just do that. I personally, over the years, have tried different things and say, okay, this is the way I'll do this now. And I was really concerned about that when I started making YouTube videos. I, I said a bunch of things in some of my videos that were, I knew for a fact, were not the norm. That's not what the average repair guy luthier does. This was just something I, I found work for me Customers seem to like it, and I just I shared it with you guys. And so far to date, it's it's went over well. But you know there is sometimes pushback when you do something differently. So what I'm saying to you is, when I say this is a way to do it, please understand that I, for every time I every time I think I know something, I meet somebody and they teach me something, and I go, man, why didn't I just do it that way? So you know what I mean. So what I'm saying is. If you have the means to try and experiment, which we do because you can get cheap guitars, you can get experimental guitars to try stuff on, try different things. Don't go off to just saying, hey, this is the only way to do something. So because I've tried it and that was, I like I said, I found it worked, but I also see why maybe in the long run, some people would not want to do it that way. So uh, William Spruce says, any thoughts on the Mesa Boogie California Tweed amp versus the Fender-ish? Or Fender vintage clean tone amps. I, I'm a I'm a Mesa fan and a Fender fan. You know, I have both. Mesa amps to me, uh, when they do the they try to do the Fender vibe thing, like California Tweed, um, it's like a lot of companies. They're they're taking what they don't like about Fender and they try to make it better, and that's tough for me because I really like Fender amps the way they are. So I don't really. A lot of players will play Fenders and they go, oh, they're too bright or they're too thin, and then. I think Fender amps are bassy. I think they're really, you know, um, and the reason I, I say that is because most of the time when I'm dealing with my Fender amps and recording them and recording an amp is a different experience than just listening to it on a stage, live performance, right? Most of my time is recording stuff, either that for the videos or just doing stuff when I'm, I'm doing stuff with friends. So, um, uh, so that being said, uh, the Mesa Boogie California Tweet's a cool amp, but it, it fixes some problems that I don't necessarily have with Fender amps is what I noticed. So, um, and, uh, 
I like it, but I really like Fender amps for the clean tones. I just do. I, and, and so, you know, I've gone away from Fender, come back, gone away, come back. Fender's like a boomerang for me when the amps, I uh, Fender amps, I can say, in fact, I'm, a, I'm almost at the point now where I should never try to sell any Fender amps ever again, because I feel like every Fender amp I've ever gotten rid of, I've immediately come back. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, what else do we got? Uh, okay. Hold on. Here's another one. Hold on guys. Whoa. I'm just refreshing my screen. Yeah. It's a good time to drink water. Hold on. I see a, I see a question, but for some reason it's not refreshing. Let's try one more time. Okay. Um, Hold on. All right. Cruising the, through. Cruising through says, hey, Phil, recently found your channel and love it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I just bought a new Les Paul Standard 60 from uh, from from Epiphones inspired by Gibson line, waiting for it to be delivered. Uh, what do you think of them? I, of course, I like the Epiphone stuff. I've said this many times. I like the Epiphone stuff. I have not put my hands on any of the new Epiphone stuff. I saw it at the NAMM show. I really like some of the new headstocks. I like some of the new designs. I think I was uh, instinctually liking it like the way everybody else liking it. Um, I'd like to get my hands on some of the stuff. I've seen where people are saying some of them were so great, some of them were better. You know what I mean? But like I've always mentioned when it comes to mass-produced product like that, okay, mass-produced product, you're, you're going to have more inconsistency, right? That, that's where I don't get upset. Um, uh, when I see a guitar that's $500, when I see a guitar that's $300 and I see an issue, it's not that I'm saying it's, it's, it's okay. It's not okay. A guitar should come great. You wouldn't buy a, a cell phone that kind of works, right? You, you buy a product that should work the way it's promised to work. Uh, a guitar should be intonated. That should be easy. But what I'm saying is, is that I would expect that in a lower price point guitars, and, and I'm not saying uh, uh, cheap guitars by any means. I'm saying lower price point guitars means, lower price means they make more of them. That's what that means. More people can afford them, so they make more of them. When you see guitars, they make more of them. You're going to see more inconsistency in quality, and you have to be prepared for that so that you, when you get that inconsistency, you're just going to have to get another one, you know, swap it around or maybe have that addressed. However, if I buy a crazy expensive guitar, if I buy a nice expensive guitar, uh, and they're making less of them, I'm hoping not to see those inconsistencies. I'm hoping that because less people are involved in the process to make it, those people who should have a higher skill set should be seeing things like that. So that's just my long-winded way of saying that I, I, I hear good things about the Epiphones, but I've also heard bad, bad things, and that's where I, I kind of would like to get my hands on some to see. Right now it's tough because a lot of stuff's not shipping from a lot of factories. Uh, let's see. Um, Richard Brubaker says, Hey, Phil, could you give some pros and cons to zero frets? Uh, you mod by installing one. Do you need to change all the frets? Uh, so if you don't know what a zero fret is, it's usually what it means. There's a fret immediately after the nut. Um, 
it means that it's instead of your first fret being your fret where you're, you're normal, normally see it, you see a, a fret right off the nut. There is a system. I'll put a link. I can't remember the name of it. Some of you guys might remember. There's a system. There's a company that makes a zero nut replacement system that you can put it pretty much on any guitar. So if you ever want to try a zero fret, you can buy a replacement nut from this company. And again, I'll have to link it. I know Sweetwater sells it. So you can go to Sweetwater and Google zero fret. Oh, why don't I just do it? <laughs> And I start the show with saying, I don't know why people just don't Google things. Why they got to. <laughs> okay, ready? Let's see. Let's see if we get lucky. Maybe not. All right, let me just do it this way. I don't know why I can't remember the name of the company. I'm pretty sure. There it is. I found it. It's called Zero Glide. Zero Glide is a slotted zero fret nut kit for, and it's for classical guitar, for electric guitar, Gibson Les Pauls, you name it. They make a uh, product uh, that, that pops on and lets you have a zero fret. So that's something, if you're ever curious about putting a zero fret on the guitar, you can do that. You can experiment with that. Um, you know, if you guys got some downtime right now and you guys got that old junker guitar that you don't know what to do, maybe you could pick up one of these things for, uh, looks like they're about 20 to $30, depending where you get them and install it in your guitar and give it a shot. Um, zero frets, um, they're good and bad. Uh, here's what I, here's what I think. I, when they're right, they're amazing. Okay, they make the guitar play fantastic. It's just, it's just, um, just, uh, just nothing but good things to say. When they're not right, they're a nightmare. <laughs> You're just fighting them. Uh, and uh, but uh, for the most part, I like them. Like I said, I like them. The Strandberg that I was mentioning has zero fret. Strandbergs have zero frets, and sometimes they can be. That's part of the part of the nut the thing that can be problematic because. There's not a lot of down pressure right off the nut on the strand because there's no headstock. So you got to cross the nut, the fret, then the nut, then you got to, you need down pressure. It's, it's tough. Um, Charles just said, great show. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Uh, Sasu says, and I didn't forget you, Drew. Hold on. I'm just doing it out of order. Sasu says, hey, I have a guitar with gloss acrylic urethane finish. Read some finish have issues. I read some finishes have issues with foam used guitar stands. Any recommendations, guitar product finish? Okay, great. So um, Sastu, your, your finish is not the finish in question. The only finish that I know of that has problems with being in contact with foam, foam rubber, and certain types of rubber uh, stands is nitrocellulose lacquer. Um, it's called lacquer burning. It's when the rubber stops the oxygen and the it literally heats up right i mean it looks like somebody put a cigarette on your guitar i've said this before you can come home and you think your roommate children spouse just burnt your guitar for some reason so uh no acrylic finish polyurethane polyester i'm not saying again i can't speak to every possible situation in the world i can only tell you generally you know what i mean and generally speaking it's 90 Eight percent. I'll say ninety, so I don't get in trouble. Ninety percent not likely that a acrylic polyurethane or polyester finish will have an adverse reaction to a typical guitar stand. But I will tell you, I will tell you this: if you care about your guitar, which I care about my guitar, so I'll share that with you. I only buy guitar stands from trusted sources. Guitar. So, so I, I mentioned this before. I use string swing. 
Um, I use the Fender cases because I like, uh, you know, they're 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 made by Fender. You can get this exact same case by Fender. This one right here. You can get it from a ton of other places, way cheaper, and it's probably the same case. So why do I buy them from Fender? Why well, I bought them from Fender because when if not say when if that case ruins that PRS right there, I'm calling Fender customer service. And when it's the odd brand case, I don't know who's going to answer the phone. So the reason is, I've said this a million times, when it comes to the things that connect to my guitar, the thing that I care about, that I've put a lot of money into, a lot of the money that I worked hard to get to, 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 get, to buy this, I want to know who is accountable for damaging my product. You know what I mean? Um, so I've learned that once I trust a brand, I stay with it. And, and if, it's a, if it's a brand that I know cares, <laughs> right? Um, which is why I, I tell you this all the time. I string tree. I like them. Um, I like uh, music nomad products. I like uh, a lizard spit products. I just bring this up because these products that interact with the guitar and these companies, they have a vested interest to build a brand. See, pay attention. They, they're building a brand name of quality. They do not want upset customer, right? When it's off Amazon and the stupid stand is $6.99. I'm glad you saved some money, but you did you save money when you come in to me and you're like, Phil, this finish is damaged. What do I do? And I'm like, I don't know, man. You got to go to a refinish guy. And by the way, you might want to just buy a new guitar. So that's what I'm just saying. So that's the good news. Good news is you don't have to worry about it with your guitar. But on a side note, I always take this option to remind people buying quality when it comes to this stuff, it, it matters. I understand people when they're like, I bought a guitar for $130 and I'm not going to buy a $100 stand. Totally, totally understand that logic. I'm just saying when you spend good money on the guitar, just don't forget. Don't skimp out on the on that stuff. That's basically what I want to say. Okay. Uh, let's see. Drew says, Phil, what voodoo must be applied to get a strat to stay in tune like Jeff Beck and Gilmore managed to do with the use of whammy bar aside from a proper nut? That's it, buddy. Proper nut. No, actually, no. There's a couple things. First of all, you just have to understand the mechanics of, of and this is weird. Sometimes you guys post a question to literally a video that I'm in the middle of making. I'm literally in the middle of making a video right now. And when I say making it, I mean the part that I needed because I got stuck in the video is downstairs. My wife just picked it up today. So it won't be a video out anytime soon. Anytime soon be, you know, next maybe a week or two. But um, the, the keys to a Strat style guitar, so Strat or Strat style guitar, staying in tune are really really about two two things. Obviously, they're not being cut right, but really what we're getting at is if you're using the tremolo, it's about the tremolo going back to the zero point, getting back to where it starts. So if you move your tremolo, the tremolo's got to go exactly to where it was. The strings all have to go exactly where it was. And, uh, you know, Jeff Beck, he uses a roller nut. That was one of the things he did. Uh, David Gilmore didn't. But in my experience, um, a strat for the most part, unless you're doing some weird Steve I, you know, pulling on the wing bar going tricks where you need a Floyd, most strammel, uh, strammel, strammel tones, most strat tremolos uh, will properly stay in tune, uh, even if they're floating a little bit. But it's again, you have to uh, do that. So what do you need? What wizardly, you know, voodoo do you need? Um, you just need to make sure your nuts cut correctly. Your strings are either wrapped correctly around the tuning pegs, and you need to make sure that you have the proper springs and your, your tremolo is properly set up. So you really just need a really good setup and to make sure everything's dialed in. 
that's what I'm working on. I'm actually doing a video where it's two things. I'm showing you guys how to do that and how to cheat if you can't do it. The cheating is probably going to be the more valuable part of the video, how to cheat. So there's actually products on the market that just do that for you. So you can either get a guitar because what's great about today's day and age is you either get a product that's good and it does it, or you get a product that makes a crappy product do it anyways. So, uh, hero glop, hero glop says, when can we expect to see Rosewood fretboards a standard again? Well, as we know, the side laws were changed and it's all back, but I mean, first they got to get through that inventory, uh, you know what I mean? And then some manufacturers now have set up supply lines to do it this way, the new way. Um, and, um, that, that all being said, um, you know, it's a different time right now. There's not stuff shipping. There's all kinds of weird stuff going on because of the COVID-19 thing. So I don't know, I don't know actually how long it's going to take, but in some cases, I don't even know if we're going to see it again because, you know, there's no, incentive for a lot of manufacturers to switch back to rosewood other than you know unless they think the guitar players aren't going to buy guitars because they because they don't have it so okay um oh nick okay great great follow-up to what we were just talking about do i deck or float my strats uh Tremolos, so bridge pickups. So um, when deck is a term, it's the same term I use. I'm sure some other players use it too. Deck the bridge means put the bridge against the body on the strat. It depends, right? The reason why I have multiple strats is not because they're different colors. They're all set up for different things, right? So for instance, I have a strat that just stays beautifully in tune and um, that tremolo has a light float to it. So the, the bridge is off the body slightly. I have no problems with tuning stability. It just works out great. I have another strat that I love the way it plays and all the sounds. And it was a little temperamental with tuning sometimes when it's floating, just a little. So I decked it, right? I understand that's a problem if you guys only have one strat because you got to have, you know, if you want it to float, you got to make it float. Uh, but I do both. I prefer decking the bridges because for the most part, I'm not using tremolos. One of the issues I have uh, that I'm trying to address, and, and it's what's nice about getting feedback on videos, is that in a lot of my videos, people say, hey, what about the tremolos? Uh, that came up on the AZ videos I did. I'm reviewing. So, you know, I did a video because you guys asked. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. I'm doing a video right now. It's the Charvel DK24 versus the uh, AZ uh, Premium. Uh, uh, but there was so much internet discussion about whether or not the AZ stay in tune and st tuning stability issues that I... I feel like that video wouldn't work because I need to go back and address those things so that we can have a discussion about that. So, so that, that's, that means I have to add in some clips now and do some more editing and, and bring that out and talk about that and how I'm fixing that. Because what happens is a lot of times, that was a question. If you remember last week or the week before somebody was asking me about AZ staying in tune. And I watched a bunch of videos about with players having issues with AZ guitars, not staying in tune. And I feel like I have some insight on how to help them fix that problem and why that problem is happening. And some are having, cause, cause so, you know, I found an AZ video where guys like, see, it doesn't go out of tune. And another one's like, look, I barely touch it goes out of tune. And there's, there's a luck of the draw on that. And then there's some common issues. So, so uh, I'll try and address that more in videos. The problem, like I said, is a lot of guitars, even if they have tremolos, I tend not to use the tremolo because I have a couple guitars that are just really great when playing tremolo stuff. So I just use them. So I try to try to, you know, that's why I've, I like I said, I created a checklist of things I got to discuss in a video now when I review. 
so that it's not just my opinion about what I like, although I think that sometimes is cool because it's just, you know, it's fun to do as a video, but sometimes I know that there's a lot of you watching and maybe you'd like to see more about the product, uh, more issues, you know what I mean? So I get in that. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Okay. Hold on a second. <laughs> Refreshing my screen. Uh, the convert says just got a Marshall class five. How do you dial in yours? Question mark. Do you use a low or high gain? Use it with pedals. Mostly I'm, I'm not finding it up. It's, it's not finding its place yet. Um, my class five, I always just run it very basic. I run the EQ straight up in the air and then I run the volume at whatever I need. And I just use it as a pedal front. Uh, so I've never really used it as like the tone of the amp. I always use it as a, a uh, as a amp. I'm actually selling mine right now. <laughs> um, I'm going to go back to 2061. I have my 2061, which is a, the eight, 18 watt or 20 watt hand wired head. It's just, I don't know, it's just something about it I like. Although I like them both. I've been teetering back and forth. I've decided to, to get rid of it. Um, I really like it, the class five. It's just, again, I can't have, you know, every amp I want. There's just no room in here. So, um, but that's how I run mine, as boring as that is. So, and I use it for, and it says, do you use it for low gain or high gain? Neither. I run it as a pedal platform only. And the reason I'll, I'll point out, I should point this out, and this is probably important. The only reason I have the class five for me is uh, I did a video when I first started my channel called like why I've owned, you know, like three, you know, uh, Blues Juniors, and I might've owned five, I don't remember. But the Blues Juniors amp I kept going to because I liked it as a pedal platform, and then I get rid of it and I get it again. And then for me, what I realized is, no, the Class 5 kind of has that same vibe. It's a great pedal platform, just like the Blues Junior, and I can run pedals through it. So I use mine as a pedal platform. I've tried to use it as a low-gain amp. I've seen guys just crank it, you know, run it through an attenuator, do all kinds of stuff. Me, I just like it for pedal platform. Um, and then Ken Domic Reaction Channel just said candy bar. <laughs> it's got to mean something. He's even got a candy bar emoji. Okay. Oh, Sean. Sean Adams says, which Tucson Luthier would you recommend need to get a, uh, four guitars worked on? I don't know any Tucson Luthiers. I'm thinking. I don't know anybody. I, even the stores have changed over the years, you know, down there. I don't even know who's down there anymore. Sadly enough, I just don't know. Hopefully, uh, somebody will reach out. If you're a luthier in Tucson, reach out to me. We'll talk. You know what I mean? Just send me a message and let me send me some stuff, man. Check out what you do. I would like to, maybe that's a cool thing. I, you know, I told you guys this before. It seems like a lot of you guys are always looking for good repair guys and good luthiers. It would be nice if there was like a luthier source. Like, you know what I mean? Not like necessarily an official thing or an app or some crazy thing like that. But wouldn't it be nice if like we just, you know, put, a place where you know you could find a good resource to find out if a, uh, of, of a tech's any good besides yelp don't put in the thing yelp i know there's yelp <laughs> um all right what else do we got we got a couple more minutes we can, we can go for a couple more minutes Okay. All right. Derek says, hi, Phil. Opinions on the McCarty versus the Custom 22 found the former at a good price, $3,100. I know, man, that's crazy. 
crazy. $3,100. I know. That's what guitars go for now. Like, you know, PRSs. Um, thoughts? <laughs> thoughts. Okay. I, well, we saw my reaction. So <laughs> recommendations for something like a Marshall SE, SC uh, 20H uh, Studio Classic, $700 with attenuator. Thank you. Um, so let's handle the first one. So the McCarty versus the custom 22. Well, the custom 22, obviously if whether it's got the pat, it's got the pattern, regular neck, the McCarty, uh, Oh, you're not saying 594. You're just saying opinions in the McCarty. So you're, you, I, I don't, I was, I was assuming you meant the McCarty 594, but there's different McCarty's. So I don't know if you mean like the McCarty model, cause there's a McCarty model and then there's a McCarty 594. There's probably right. Um, I like the custom 22. I had a custom 22. I sold it. I kept my custom 24. I regretted it ever since. Um, I'll never switch back to the custom 22 because the one I had, it was really amazing, but I'm just telling you, I, I, I'm reason I'm saying that is I have an affection for the custom 22. I like my custom 24. I just know that I would play it more if I would have kept the custom 22. So there you go. Uh, Wolverine was mentioning Angie's list for type services. Yeah, I haven't checked Angie's list. Is that like Luthier's on there? Is that a thing? Can we add it to that? Hmm. And then on your second question with the Marshall with an attenuator for seven, that sounds like a good price. If you're saying it's 700 bucks for the Marshall with an attenuator, sounds like a good deal. Uh, especially for 700 bucks. Okay, what else? Let's do one more before we go. Hold on, let me, let me. Wolverine says he doesn't know, but it should be. Okay, well, we'll check, right? We'll check. Rick just said, thank you for the channel. He just subscribed. Thank you, I appreciate that. If you guys wouldn't mind right now, if you're watching, there's somehow you give some thumbs up. I don't know what that means. It's really weird now, right now with YouTube, because now YouTube does this thing where they rate your videos immediately and they like to send you these really funny messages about how people that like or don't like your video right away. It's kind of weird. So <laughs> it's an it's an interesting thing. Um, all right. Uh, last question. Let's find one more last one. Let's see. Let's do... Hmm trying to find something okay i'm just gonna go with the since i'm not really seeing anything what's up doc I, i'm interested in the question it says thoughts on fake or faux I think he means binding because it says bonding, but I think it's binding razor blade or sandpaper style. My thoughts on like the faux binding, like uh, I assume that's what you mean. And uh, I like it. It's not, are you talking about like what's on PRS where they just do, they don't do an actual binding. They just tape it off. I, I like it. I actually prefer it. Let's do one more. Cause that was kind of a, I don't know if I gave the best answer. <laughs> he might, you guys are cracking me up, but you guys just keep talking about Tucson. 
Uh, Ray wants to know if I own a five string bass. Not anymore. I did forever. That's what I, so for, for a while, for 10 years, uh, I played a seven string bass. I know that's crazy. And then, um, I, I, I switched to five. Actually, I switched to two fives. So I would have a five string that was uh, B to um, to uh, G, right? So it was B, E, A, D, G. And then I would have a five string that was E to C. So um, that was like, uh, you know, a great way to for most songs. Because if I played a song, I generally wouldn't need a B string, you know. And if I did, I would have the B string. I played the five string with a B. And if I didn't need the, G, the B string, I'd play my uh, five string with a high C on it so I could do some cool snappy tricks and stuff. And I really like that. And then over time, I just really started gravitating to this one bass, which is my jazz uh, deluxe that I that I play now. Uh, and uh, it's a four string. And then slowly over time, it just it just um, it dwindled down to just that bass. So. So that's it. <laughs> that's why. And I don't have a five string anymore. Isn't that funny? Um and I don't find I need one. The and uh, another reason is is because most of the time when I play bass with musicians, it's usually like what I did with Larry and stuff, where I'm just showing up. You know what I mean? I get a rundown of the music and I'm just playing. And so I'm trying not to overplay or do anything. I'm trying to stay into a pocket, stay stuck, and just do the job right because I'm I didn't get a lot of rehearsal time. A lot of times I'm jamming on stage with musicians. It's just I get a, I do seem to do a lot of performance where it's literally like. I'm either given the songs ahead of time, like a week ahead of time or a couple days ahead of time to hear them real quick, or I'm up on stage and this is the first time I'm ever hearing this stuff. And um, you know what I mean? So I've, I've tried to, I've just dumbed everything down as easy as I can get. So I can just do a good job. Don't need any more stress in my life than that. All right. On that note, I'm going to let you guys go. I thank you guys for hanging out this week. It was fun as always. Um, uh, if you guys don't mind, give the thumbs up. Share and like the videos if you like. Uh, make sure you subscribe if you haven't subscribed. That's all the stuff I guess you want to say. I want to thank everybody who makes this channel possible. BB Ninja uh, mentioned that I didn't mention BB Ninja. And uh, you're right. You're not on this list. So I got to figure that out. I will figure that out today. But on the list, I have Alzdar McLeod, Anthony Desposito, Bob Crosley, Brian S., Bruce Collins, Chief Squatch, Chris at the Guitar Pit. Check out his channel. He just got a new cool Kiesel. I saw on Instagram today, Chris, by the way, if you're watching this channel, uh, that was a cool guitar. <laughs> so it's in that cool John Mayer, uh, John Mayer Nebula finish. Craig Parker, Declan, uh, Declan, <laughs> Declan Miller. You know, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> I'm making myself laugh because what, uh, so last week I called Declan McLeod and I figured out why. And now I call him Declan Miller. Here's why. Because Alistair McLeod, for some reason, when I click on it, it leaves the McLeod. And when I see Declan, it leaves his name as McLeod. It's Declan McMullen, which, by the way, Declan knows that. I'm sure he knows his own name. Uh, all right. Ready? Dennis Prescott, Derek Miller, DPGB, no G, DPB, F Crew, Gary Phillips, George, and Derry. Greg Peterson, Greg K, Jason Nagler, James Biles, or Jim Biles, uh, John, Jonathan Pickering, Jose Benito Martinez Jr., Kermit Jackson, Kimball Johnson. I'm just going to do this way. Lawrence Petros. He's, he makes pedals. You might have heard him. He's a cool dude. Uh, <laughs> Lonnie Hoke, Martin Leahy, Michael Lindner, Michael Mooney, Music, Michael Mooney, Muse guitarist, say it twice as fast. 
Paul Eistrike, Pedal Pal Effects, which is Luis and Alvaro. Um, hopefully we'll be hearing from them soon. They are doing well. I asked them this week how they're doing, and they just sent me a message. I haven't had a chance to response, guys, but I'm glad you're doing well. Uh, Tim Geringer, Tim Camacho, Tim Farnsworth, and Todd Flowers. Thank you guys so much. And, of course, I want to give an extra shout-out to the original crew, the original Jeff Howes, Justin Mabe, and Zachary Rowe, three of the original crew of the uh, the founding of the uh, live shows. I appreciate you guys. You guys literally make all this stuff happen every week. You guys are awesome. I want to thank you guys so much uh, for hanging out every week. It gives us all something to do. Uh, and I hope you guys have a happy holiday and happy Easter if you're celebrating Easter. And uh, please be safe out there. It's crazy times. But this too will pass. We will all get through this together. And uh, we'll come out better on the other side, I'm hopes. So on that, on that note, I'll let you guys go. Have a great weekend. And as always, uh, know your gear.